Rick is facing a unique situation. He has about two weeks to put together a marketing campaign before the window of opportunity closes. In this episode, we workshop his marketing plan. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? So I've been thinking about something we sort of discussed uh, a week or two ago, um, which is, if you remember, I referenced rundles, recurring revenue bundles. Uh, that's Scott Galloway's term. Oh boy. And the more I think about it, the more I think uh, this is going to be a big trend in SaaS soon, or maybe it already is. And so I just kind of wanted to like throw my hypothesis at you and see if you agree or disagree or have, you know, things I should change about this. Does your hypothesis cover why you think that? Yeah. So yes, let me let me walk through what I've been thinking. I, I've been seeing a lot a lot more of these you know subscription bundles or recurring revenue bundles. The original one being uh, like Microsoft Office three sixty five, Adobe Creative Cloud, Google Workspace. Those are kind of the the classic ones that have been around for a long time. But I feel like you're seeing more of these, and we saw this with Dropbox. Uh, we were just talking about Dropbox. Why does anyone use Dropbox? They've got file storage and syncing. But they've also got Dropbox paper. They've also got document signing. They've also got password uh, management. So they're kind of doing this bundle of different things. I am of, I, I've seen more and more of this recently, and I've been trying to think about why, especially because it relates to Lessonwing CRM. I think there's two reasons. So tell me what you think about this. Number one, I think a lot of SaaS products are increasingly being commoditized. Uh, Dropbox is probably the perfect example of this, right? It's like, yo, you sync files up to the cloud. Like, so does Google, so does Microsoft, so does Apple. What do you do to make it special? And it's harder and harder to differentiate the products. And so I feel like one thing you can do is take multiple commodified products and bundle them together. And the differentiation is in the bundle, not in any individual product. Okay. Do you feel like you've seen this at all? Uh, I, I feel like you're being you're talking specifically within productivity uh, apps, but I, could you fly up and give an example, maybe in a different area? Yeah. Do you listen to Scott Galloway on Pivot or whatever his normal his uh, standalone podcast is? There's only so much Scott Gall Galloway <laughs> I can take, uh, so usually I, I limit it to following him and unfollowing him periodically. Um, yeah, he's an obnoxious guy for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, so but no, this is I one don't. of his ideas. I, I he, ta he talks about it outside of SaaS and outside of software, and he's kind of talking about like Amazon Prime is one of these, right? Where maybe the delivery is not quite enough for you to pay for Amazon Prime, but you also get the video and you also get the music service. He's saying, Apple just put one of these out. Um, I think it's a really weak one, but... Uh, I don't really follow Apple that closely. It's like you get storage and Apple Music and Apple TV or something like that. He's saying this is going to happen more and more. Like Disney is going to say, give us $500. Well, $500 is probably too much. $100 a month. And not only do you get Disney Plus, but you can go on a cruise every year. You know, like bundling physical things together. It's obvious for the business. Like businesses love recurring revenue, right? It's predictable. Investors value businesses higher with recurring revenue than one-time revenue. I think it's also good for consumers. Like there's a certain element to it that 
you pay your money and then you sort of have unlimited access to these things. You don't have to, we talked yet, uh, last week about decision fatigue, right? That if you're constantly making decisions, it drains you. And if you just have these subscriptions and you're like, if I want to watch something on Disney plus I will. So anyway, I think it's like mutually good, but I think more and more, it's not just you're buying a subscription to one thing. You're buying this bundle. So yeah, I, I get that. I've got I, one other point by okay. the way. But. Yeah. I, just, I, I, I want to just clarify. So one, one driver of the trend is basically more for a little bit less. I'm trying, yeah. to get to, I'm trying to understand what the value proposition is to the consumer of bundling. I don't get it. Yeah. So, okay. The first one is um, things are commoditized. And how do you decide between a bunch of identical services? Well, which one has the most add-ons? That's one. Okay. The other one I think is more appealing to consumers. And that is I feel like we're entering an era of subscription fatigue. And I don't think I probably even need to explain what I mean by that. Do you, do you buy that we are, that that's happening? Yes. I review our transactions weekly for our household. And the number of times I review a subscription for $10 that I can't cancel because it's like that one time we use it. Yeah. It, you know, it's, yeah, I totally feel the pain. Okay, so that's exactly that that one time you use it. You probably don't care about the like I use Netflix all the time. I I would never question it, but it's a lot more frustrating Disney Plus. I only watch The Mandalorian on it. Is it worth it for me? I had this exact thought bubble <laughs> in my head when I was watching Mandalorian. And by the way, Mandalorian isn't that good. Let's be honest. <laughs> Ooh, shade. I like it. It's not a me. It's not it's not the best TV that's out there, that's for sure. Yeah, but okay. I, I had this exact, exact go go through this thought experiment because I had exa the exact thought. So let let me pause subscription fatigue for a second and go somewhere else, and I'll tie them back together in a second. Um, Justin Jackson, who's kind of a SaaS thought leader guy, he talks about the idea of you can sell an entree or you can sell a side dish. So an entree is like a CRM or something like that, like a core product that you're really basing your business or your life on. And then a side dish might be something more like, let's say, Calendly, where it's like, your calendar was okay, Calendly makes it a little bit better. Um, and he he kind of talks about there's pros and cons to each. You know, people rely more on the entree, but the side dish maybe has less competition. It's not necessarily that you should do one or the other. But I do kind of think in a world where there's subscription fatigue, it probably gets harder and harder to sell a side dish if people are like, enough with the fucking subscriptions already. Like, I cannot add another one. And so I almost, tying this to the bundle thing, I think there's an opportunity going forward in the future to take commoditized things that are side dishes and say, I'm going to bundle them together for a relatively low price. And people won't pay for each individual subscription, but they'll pay for one to get all of these things. So maybe the document signing with Dropbox, I only use once a year, which is true for me. I don't use it very often. But I'm not going to like pay for EchoSign or whatever monthly for it. But if it's included in Dropbox, yeah, it's a side dish that I'll, I'd like to have. You know what I mean? Sure. That's my that's my thesis here. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I I, I go I guess what does this mean? And I get I feel like yes, all everything you're saying is true. But what's different about today than yesterday? Um, I guess mm -hmm. you know why does this matter? Yeah. So. I would argue things are newly commoditized. SaaS is still new enough that there haven't been many commoditized industries until recently, and things are adjusting to 
to handle that world. And secondly, subscription fatigue. I think those are the two new things that weren't true. I mean, they were true yesterday, but they weren't true five years ago. Talk, talk to me about uh, what you mean when you say com- commoditized. Yeah. So if you look at SaaS advice out there, let's look at pricing. Pricing drives me nuts. I hate the pricing advice people give. They're like price based on value. Um, that's not how capitalism is supposed to work. You're not supposed to say, the thing I'm selling provides X dollars of value, so you should pay you know, X minus one or whatever. What's supposed to happen is there's supposed to be competition. And it's not. it doesn't matter the value that it provides me. It matters like competitors are supposed to fight on pricing until eventually it's pretty close to what it costs to provide the service. So d- is that right to you? Like in, in capitalism, there's supposed to be competition, which drives the price down to kind of what, more or less what it costs to provide the service. Yeah, but the other part of that is that th- th- that usually leads to innovation. And so it's mm-hmm, cycli- mm-hmm. this is a cyclical thing. And um, it's a temp, you know, so it's, you know, there's an opportunity for this for a period of time, but then it will switch back to there's a new thing. Exactly. So I think what I'm saying is probably this cycle like happened in a big way that. Rarely, it rarely happens that there's a level of opportunity that I think SaaS has had over the last 10 years. And so a lot of best practices were formed around this idea that like, you're the only one doing this. You're providing this totally unique value because you've innovated. And so you get to make up your own roles on pricing. It, it's almost like an environment with no competition if you look at the advice out there. And I think that competition is starting to be present, which is not a bad thing in my opinion. It just means companies have to behave differently. Um This is actually Tyler uh, Tringas from Earnest Capital. If you read why he thinks investing in bootstrap SaaS companies makes sense, he's basically saying there's a new era where there's a lot less risk, but also arguably less upside for these new SaaS companies coming out right now. Interesting. Okay. So, okay, that's the basic premise is the commoditization is somewhat new. And because everyone's signing up for all these SaaS products, there's this subscription fatigue. And so buying a bundle might be more appealing than it would be otherwise. And a lot of things that probably shouldn't be SaaS, that shouldn't be subscriptions are becoming subscriptions. Like, oh my gosh. I would rather just buy that one time. When I was doing, <laughs> can I just do a side note here? When yeah. I was doing consulting last year, the number of companies that I would come across that were clearly not a subscription business trying to become subscription business so they could either raise money or get a higher valuation on the money they were trying to raise already. It's uh, mind-boggling. A lot of this is driven by valuation because subscriptions get just by being a subscription business, you automatically get. Well, at least that's how people think about it automatically. Yeah, like you, yeah, you, you're you're valued at 10x revenue instead of 3x revenue or something like that. Yeah, or 5x versus you know 1.5x. Yeah. Um, it, so it's a yeah. So there's a lot of businesses out there trying to be subscriptions when they shouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. So that's part one. I just I had this thesis that I think my. I don't often make predictions, but I predict over the next five years or so, we're going to see a lot more of these bundles. That's okay. my guess. So, so, and, and I, I want to, because we both agree that it's cyclical, how long does a cycle, la- a bundle cycle last? So if, it, if in the next five years, you're going to see more bundles, does that mean in 10 years, bundles go away? Yeah. Are either of us old enough to have been through a full one of these cycles? Like no. I've, I've heard before, like you, things bundle and unbundle and bundle and unbundle cyclically, but I don't know how long the cycle normally is. I think that's important for the utility of this, you know, observation. Um, yeah. At least to have like an idea behind it. Maybe you don't know right now, but it's probably going to happen. The cycle is probably going to happen faster than it has in the past because of the pace of change right now due to technology is so high. 
Yeah, although I do wonder, like, I feel like innovation in SaaS is, I don't want to say it's slowed down, but it's matured. It's like, we're kind of in the polishing stage rather than everything is brand new and you've never seen this before. So probably what happens is some, anytime there's like a breakthrough, a leap forward in innovation, you can get away with selling a standalone product. Um, and it's it's not a commodity. It doesn't need to be bundled, things like that. Can we can we dive into one one thing that's on my mind is the entertainment space. So I recently signed up for YouTube TV. Um, it's been a great experience. I was paying I think three hundred dollars a month for cable with Directv. Oof. Yeah, and I switched to um, YouTube TV, and I basically got everything that I was paying for by unbundling. So I, I pay eighty bucks or so a month for YouTube for all the sports channels that I want. Um, I buy uh, all the different. You know, I got HBO Max Direct, I got Disney, I got Hulu, all that stuff. So I've got pretty much any show I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm paying, you know, what, 50% less than ha- half the cost. Yeah. And not seeing any commercials because cable's a fucking ripoff. Oh, totally. <laughs> and like the DVR experience on YouTube TV, you literally just click a button and it adds the episodes, uh, like past three episodes that you've missed to your oh, wow. DVR. It's, it's incredible. Um, but like, are you, I, I think what you're really saying is it's kind of like, uh, we've there, take that for an example. You've got the actual content creators, um, that were originally bundled into direct TV subscriptions, for example, mm-hmm. um, or maybe cable subscriptions. And then direct TV came along and said, we've got a better way. And they rebundled on satellite. And now, the the you know the direct to consumers kind of went through a process of unbundling and it's like you can get download the ESPN app you can get Netflix and are you saying that now we're going to see a rebundling in different ways of those services? Um, probably not. I think there's a separate trend going on there, which is kind of these companies all want to go vertical, vertically integrated. Uh. The internet is a new distribution channel that didn't previously exist where HBO couldn't get to its consumers without the internet prior to this, um, or, or sorry, without DirecTV or whoever. So I think there's another factor going on there, but you might see a different type of bundling. You might see, I actually, I forget like, you know, there's like three corporate overlords that own all of these. You could certainly see a different type of bundle where it's like you can go to AMC theaters and get your Comcast internet and get the NBC streaming service or something like that. I, I do think people want to like own the vertical a little bit more. Interesting. Okay. What kind of bundle? I, I don't really know what I'm talking about when yeah. it comes outside of the SaaS world. So, so, so take let's that come with back. A grain of salt. So let's come back to software enabled service, software as a service. Um, tell me, how does this play out for for you? So the reason I'm thinking about it, if if anyone's been following my journey, I've got a company that makes one product, a CRM. For a long, long time, we've known one of the areas we want to grow into rather than making a more and more sophisticated CRM, we want to, uh, we want to stay focused on small businesses, which means offering more products to the same people rather than offering a different, the same product to more people. Right. And I've kind of been going back and forth on how to position this and just how to think about it in general. I want one app where people can use less annoying CRM. And the next one we're going to add is appointment scheduling and probably at some point note taking and team file sharing and chat. Any Anything that a business needs is potentially fair game. More and more, as I see this trend of bundling, I'm thinking the way to position 
this, even if the the app itself is still one app that does everything, I'm thinking it makes sense to position it as a bundle and to say, for $15 a month, you get less annoying CRM and less annoying meetings and less annoying file sharing, rather than being like, for $15 a month, you get the less annoying product or something like that. Still very preliminary, but that's where I'm leaning right now. And and are you, I kind of look back at our previous conversation and the rev, recurring revenue bundles or rundles and say, is that you trying to find justification for a decision you've already made? Or is it... Um, I don't think so. Okay. All right. I had not made I had not made this decision. I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. I it it helps me a little bit in that as you know, like I don't know, a month ago we talked about I'm nervous about the fact that I know the name less annoying CRM and the, the branding and positioning won't work very well when eventually we we hope to be more than a CRM. So part of this is me saying, like, oh, is this an easy way out of that decision? But I don't think it's the case. I necessarily knew what the answer was. It, it's more that I see, like, I look at Dropbox and I think this is amazing as a customer. I, it's ironic because we just canceled Dropbox, like I said last week. But I look at it and I'm like, I love that I can get, for the subscription I'm already paying, I can get a few of these add-on services that I don't need all the time, but it's nice to have access to. I love it. So I kind of want to offer that to my customers. Yeah, it sounds like the real reason here, though, is simplicity for your consumer. Uh, yeah. For the macro trend, yes, I was gonna bun- I was gonna bundle stuff either way. So this is more just about how do I position what I was already gonna do. But um, I th- I think before I might have said I would say it's one thing, right? Lessannoying.com. You know, we're selling it for fifteen dollars a month. It comes with CRM, calendar, whatever. And it's I know it's a minor difference. This isn't like a radical shift I'm talking about. But I think I'm I'm leaning more and more towards. We have three products. You can't even buy them standalone. Like calling them three products is meaningless, but it's just like selling it as you get these three different things instead of this one thing that does three functions. Yeah, I like that. But you for one price. For one price. So it's purely a positioning. It's like, what does the marketing site look like? What websites is this hosted on? It's once you log in, it's the same thing either way, I think. Yeah. And I would say your pricing is low enough where it's like, Great. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, I just, I, I feel like you're charging me too much for just using this one little yeah. thing. Oh yeah. My, I love one of my like frameworks for thinking about competition is just thinking about what do none of my competitors want to do? I want to go do that because they're going to fucking hate us. They're not going to want to fight us over this. And so I want to have five things, any one of which could, you'd pay $15 a month for, and you get all of them for $15 a month. So it's like, oh, okay, you didn't use this w- one or two of them you don't need. Who cares? Like, you, you'll easily pay that for the other three. Oh, totally. It's so interesting. Uh, someone, at some point, if you ever decide you don't want to be a start to last business anymore, um, so, someone will look at your business and go, man, I could buy this and literally double the revenue <laughs> uh, just by playing with pricing. I think about that all the time. Well, pricing and I want to be very clear. I'm not even thinking about this, but like layoffs and lowering oh, people's yeah. salaries. Uh, sometimes people are like, what do you think less annoying CRM's worth? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Do you mean what is it worth with me running it? Or what what would it be worth with like a private equity firm running it? Because those are two very different answers. <laughs> and yeah, and the, the, the true value is probably the average of those two things. Yeah. Although one of the reasons I would never sell is it's worth more to me than it is to them. Like... There's not like a, you know, absolute number that's the value of the business, Le- right? Less annoying CRM is priceless to Tyler. Absolutely. 
How could you possibly do better than a barely profitable business you've been running for 11 years? <laughs> anyway, uh, th- th- thanks for thinking through that with me. It's It's been on my mind. I'm going to keep paying attention to this bundle thing, I guess is... All I yeah, gotta just, say. Just don't just don't say Rundles anymore. I feel like Rundle. A, yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan. <laughs> it does. It sounds inappropriate, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cool. What's been on your mind? Well, uh, last week we talked a lot about prioritization, focus, distraction, and one of the things that re- became really clear to me when I was re-listening to the episode is how important how you do a really good job of just like we just did before you make a decision to actually work on something. Or you know, make make a decision and then impl- work on implementing that decision. You really do allow yourself some time and space to explore all the different avenues um, and ways you could approach something, like we just did with the Rundles. Another example recently was permissions. How you mm-hmm. um, you really just flew up and like looked at it from every angle and ended up picking a very small thing. But the small thing isn't the point. The, the The confidence in which you pick the small thing is the point. And uh, one thing that I've been going back and forth on, if you've listened, listened to the episodes, is this sort of franticness around, am I marketing enough? Am I not marketing enough? <laughs> and uh, what I realized is I haven't let myself explore um, on marketing. I, I, I really, when I start thinking of a marketing idea, I, I, Trish, I really just start doing it. I don't I haven't like said, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go up and plan. And this is every successful thing I've done. And if I look back in life has started at the ex- exploration level at me canvassing all the available options. And then once I, once I canvass them all kind of stack ranking them and then going, oh, this is the most important thing. And then I put my head down for a while. Um, I've had my head down so long on leg up health since you know Feb- you know February of this year that I, I haven't really looked up. At, with regard to marketing yet. And I'm going to, I've decided that I'm going to use the Thanksgiving break, um, to, to fly up high on, on marketing. I haven't, I've had it scheduled on my calendar every day since, um, since Friday of last week, but I don't have, because I still have stuff that I've already committed to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been able to do it, but as soon I'm going to use the Thanksgiving holiday as an excuse once, um, Thursday, you know, once it's 1201 AM, uh, <laughs> Thursday, I, you know, through Saturday, through end of day Friday is 100% marketing exploration for me for any work I do. I love it. Quick side note, I think that especially for early stage, but really any anyone who wants to get work done, holidays are a secret weapon because like you can just celebrate it some other day. I'm not sorry. I'm not saying people shouldn't celebrate holidays, but like I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I've, I'm working Thursday and Friday and it's it's the only two day stretch with zero meetings I've had probably all year, so I, I bet you can get a lot of work done uh, just with that long weekend. Thank you. Yeah, and the 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 it gets harder as you start getting married, have kids, and have these obligations. Um, in fact, like we were planning on going to to Bear Lake, um, you know, Wednesday through Sunday, and I'm not nearly as productive at Bear Lake. It's nice, but I could probably do market exploration there maybe. But um, I I was realizing like. I can't, I need the ability to maximize the time off for leg up health right now. So Mm -hmm. we're going to end up driving separately. And if I want to, to come escape back and just have be alone, you know, through the weekend working on this, I can. And if I'm productive out there, I can stay, but it does take like, 
saying no is the, not the right word, but like figuring out how you can create the time to be alone with your thoughts without any other uh, expectations of you. That's the only way you can get this stuff done. Yeah. Cool. So you're, you've committed to this. You're, you're going to do it this last week, although we, it's only been like three days since we last recorded because we're recording this early because of Thanksgiving. Um, you, you haven't done it yet. Do you know what, what's the plan of attack here? How are you going to approach this? I, I've started it already. I've just started pulling everything. I've got a bunch of random thoughts and, and half baked ideas from throughout the year that I just, I pulled all into a Google doc and then I need to, I want to reread traction, um, uh, as, as just a, another exercise. And then that doc has a link to a lot of other documents that I'm going to explore. But basically I, I want to take, go through that document and allow myself to think about everything and just start ranking things in order, uh, you know, different things that I could work on. And then I'll probably have for the next episode, some ideas to, um, to, narrow in on one thing yeah. I one and I probably, and, and who knows, maybe I'll bounce this for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I, I don't, I still haven't figured out how urgent this is, um, relative to open enrollment, which for, for my business is create some urgency around marketing for the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you say you're, you're stepping up to do a high level look at marketing, do you mean figuring out what to do for the next couple of weeks because open enrollment is going to end or do you, you're talking like January 1st and beyond basically. Yeah. I'm having a huge problem right now between do I, am I, I don't know if I'm working on the right stuff right now. Why do I not know if I'm working on the right stuff right now? Because I haven't given myself time to explore. Mm-hmm. Now there's a call. So that, so I'm, I'm you know trading off between, do I give myself time to explore so I can get confident about what I'm working on and prior, like kind of optimize for the long term, which is what this is the, is the way of the start to last, uh, you know, the way of the Mandalorian. Um, it, <laughs> this it, is the way. This is the way. And and uh, or do I do I say you know what? Open enrollment comes one time a year. I need to not. I need to just do the best I can. And even if I don't have confident confidence that I'm working on the right stuff for the long term, work on the best things I can think of in the short term, and then switch gears December 15th. That's the big dilemma. Yeah, I, I mean, that kind of sounds right to me, because last time we talked, you said you had, like, you had restarted your marketing efforts. And so two weeks ago, you were kind of bemoaning the fact that you'd stopped marketing and your momentum had died. One week ago, you said, I started again, and immediately things picked up, and I'm getting leads. I mean, kind of feels like just keep doing that in, for, for the next two weeks. I think you're probably right, which totally changes my Thanksgiving plans. Um, so, so c- can we? Can I tell you? I, in fact, I would like to just kind of dive into marketing tactics for the next two weeks, and maybe that mm-hmm. changes my marketing exploration. And maybe I, I just yeah. push that to the end of the year. C- so, can I just real quick, just context for anyone who's new to this? Right now is open enrollment, which happens once per year. It's when health people can buy health insurance. Rick sells health insurance to people. So basically now through December 15th, is that I wanna, right? I need to clarify something there. You said something that I totally disagree with. We do not <laughs> sell health insurance. Okay. We are not a health insurance broker. We are a health insurance agent. We help you uh, find, use, and manage your own health insurance. You buy your own health insurance. We are not salespeople. Okay. Sorry. Okay. But Rick's, just just Rick's, like Just like Salesforce um, it wasn't software. <laughs> yeah, I never bought that either. <laughs> uh, okay, but like you have this unique opportunity through December 15th where a lot of people are buying the thing that you don't sell, but you help them buy. Um, and 
So there's going to be the whole next year to plan strategy and stuff like that. But there's kind of this sprint to get as much out of this period, which is really unique. I don't think most businesses have this type of thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah let's and, dive in. And, and you know, there's always a sprint. So like, let's be clear, like you can, you can live off a two week deadline, you know, every two weeks of a year. I mean, so the, the, the big dilemma is you know, when do I do my planning for my major marketing planning so I can start building for the long term? And it sounds like, you know, maybe that's not the right thing. So what I want to discuss right now specifically is let's assume mm-hmm. that I did not do the major exploration. And I said, Hey, like we're going to limit our exploration to the next 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> what are the marketing tactics I should do before December 15th and before I allow myself to do the long-term marketing planning? Yeah. Uh, do you already kind of have a list of things you're deciding between? Maybe I can tell you what I've done that's been working for the last two weeks. Um, and sure. I, an update on a few other things that I've done, um, that, that are they're sort of in progress. So, so one thing that we are we have worked on, and this is the big project for Lena, uh, my um, our uh, our team member who uh, is part time. She, um, we built guide a, a state guide, um, which is a content strategy. So, um, we basically went through and created a, a unique page on legupelt.com for every. Um, for the state, number one, and then for every individual health insurance company and plan available in Utah. There's six individual insurance companies and 60 plus plans. There's a unique page now um, on the site. And that doesn't really exist anywhere else, um, which is unique. But more importantly, Google has started to index that. And so there's a lot of opportunity to do two things. First is write more content and let Google index that. And the second thing is to... um, do on-site and off-site SEO tactics that improve the ranking of Google. That's a long-term play, but it does sometimes have short-term effects. So for example, one thing you might do off-site is you might go to Quora, search questions about Utah health insurance and start answering those questions with, hey, if you'd like to learn more about this, check out uh, you know, the guide as a source at the end. Um, that tells Google, hey, like this is, this is uh, you know, imp- you know, important information. We could, you know, we could do press stuff, you know, things that things on other third-party sites that lead to links back to our site. We can fix image alt tags, all kinds of technical stuff on on site for the SEO. That's one project that we have going on that's in progress right now. Um, We do a weekly newsletter. Um, I haven't sent the weekly newsletter out in two weeks. So we've done, we started the weekly newsletter November 4th. We haven't committed it to it be weekly. It's just a newsletter. In my head, it's weekly, but we're about to send the next newsletter out. It's all drafted and ready to send. I just need to send it. Who, um, who's on the list? How'd you get them on the list? We have 13 people, and I think 50% of them are my family members. So okay. it's a really large list. Um, but I need. But I wanted to get two newsletters out before I asked, invited people to sign up. I do plan to... So that leads me to like outbound uh, stuff. So one thing that we can do now that we have a good base, we have a good website, we have content... Um, I have a huge contact list of people that I've come across uh, over my years in business. I have not reached out to this list a single time for the most part uh, and to tell them what I'm doing now. So there's an opportunity for me to reach out just as a, hey, I just wanted to say hello. It's been a long time. Here's, you know, it's been two plus years since I left People Keep. Here's what I'm working on now. Um, and that's an opportunity to drive a lot of awareness, for example, to to what I'm working on now. And that would be more broad, that would be legupealthricklinquist.com newsletter, start to last. Um, so, so a broader opportunity. Um, we, I have a number of Utah connections um, in LinkedIn that I have not reached out to um, and just said, hey, here's what I'm working on. 
do you buy your own health insurance by chance? Um, another thing that, that, that I've done is I've reached out to a couple of co-working spaces here in Utah. And for example, tomorrow, um, uh, the, the co-working space I'm a member of is going to send an email out to their members um, just saying, hey, Leg Up Health is available to help you mm-hmm. navigate open enrollment, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see what else. I, I, t- I, attended, on, I attended Park City Television. Um, did, did a TV appearance. Um, I think, uh, probably not the most viewers, but it was good practice. And we could mm-hmm. turn that, you know, usually when you get press, there's an immediate opportunity to turn that press into more press. So there's an opportunity to create some local media press releases and reach out to local media. Um, I do not want to do any paid search. So AdWords are off the table. I just don't have the mental capacity or the budget to worry about that. Uh, I'm thinking about all these other things. Twitter, um, I am very interested in what I would call social promotion of posts. So I, I do run tests from time to time on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn for boosting, you know, leg up health branded posts. I have not so had any luck with So why are you okay that. with, why, why are you okay doing that, but you're not okay doing AdWords or something? Um, primarily because uh, I, I, I've done the testing enough on social media promotion where I'm comfortable with it. Whereas AdWords, I'm really uncomfortable. I've wasted a lot of money in the past on AdWords too. Um, but I also, it's highly competitive. So yeah. uh, for if you type in health insurance into Google, it's like, it's ridiculous what, what comes up. So I just, I mostly just don't want to spend the brain power on it, but I guess I shouldn't say it's off the table. I just don't think it's not, it's not something I've, I've put on the list of things that I'm currently working on. All the other things I've mentioned so far are things that I'm currently working on. Gotcha. I mean, how do you want to approach this? Do you just want me to give you some thoughts on what you just said, or do you want to lead here? I'm trying to get everything out. Um, do you feel like I've cut, is there, I guess is there, the question would be, is there anything else? Oh, I did. I mean, I reached out to a lot of people earlier this year. And so just following up with those on those reach outs has mm-hmm. been beneficial. Uh, for example, I just call, I got a call from, uh, a restaurant owner who I told, you know, I, who I used to go to his restaurant all the time. And, um, you know, he, he just called me because he remembered I started a business and he needed help with his health insurance. So I'm getting kind of that stuff, but that's, that's not stuff that it's really actionable, except maybe following up with some of the people I touched earlier. Um, oh, the other, the other thing that I just started trying is watching LinkedIn for conversations, watching, watching social media for organic conversations around either business, small business health insurance or individual health insurance. I just jumped into an awesome thread on LinkedIn by a guy named Scott Woolley, who's a local thought leader slash founder. Um, and it was, uh, it was the first experience on LinkedIn for me that I had this like online networking experience where everyone was genuinely talk, talking. I mean, how, how often do people like <laughs> do hundreds of people engage on a thread about health insurance uh, for their company or health insurance for themselves? And so mm-hmm. it was like, and they were all in Utah. So it was like, wow, like I got to have a lot of conversations there. So for some reason, I don't know if that was just a one-off, but if I could recreate that experience yeah. where it was very much social networking around around the conversation of health insurance, I would do that all day for the rest of the year. Gotcha. Cool. Oh, I'm oh I'm I'm also um, going to put together a web thinking about most likely going to put together a webinar as part of my offer to the kiln members. Um, that's a 30 minute private webinar on how to, you know, uh, save time and money buying your health insurance in 2021. Yeah. Okay. So um, was that too much? Is it too much for you to do all at once? Is yeah. It, was that too much for you to follow? No, no, I think I got you. Okay. Um, that's good. I, okay. Let me, can I just run through this and give some initial thoughts? Yes. 
with the understanding, you know your business better than me, so ignore everything I'm about to say. Okay, you just said webinar, so I'll start there. Webinars and newsletters, I think, are interesting marketing channels, but they have a channel. A lot of top types of marketing have this problem where you create a piece of content and then you have to get people to see the content. And so now you're marketing for the content. And I think the, the reason this can work is because it's easier to get someone to convert to your content than it is to get them to convert to be a customer. So it's like a, a higher conversion rate, but a longer funnel. Does that sound right to you? Absolutely. And just to be very clear, this is how we built the business that people keep. So mm-hmm. it's the one area where I feel uber confident that works. The challenge with it is it's not immediate. It takes time right. to build. That's exactly what I was going to say is starting December 16th, those sound like two awesome ideas. And I I have a hard time imagining you getting a customer through like a typical newsletter flow in three weeks. Totally agree. Um, and I think creating the newsletters is probably not as important um, as the content that... W- the content that we are creating is important because it actually helps in other avenues. So the content we're creating, for example, are things that we use to help people go through the conversion process, the the onboarding process. And so the content's multi-purpose. So I agree that probably sending the newsletter is probably not a good use of time unless I can use that for some other purpose. Yeah. And the webinar sounds a little different because if you've already got the audience, if it's like you know, we're, this email is getting sent out and you don't have to do anything to market the webinar. That sounds great to me, but I would, I would be focusing on the things where you're getting that type, like whether it's partnering with coworking spaces or doing cold calling or direct email or hopping into the LinkedIn thing, those sound much more promising to me. Now, here's the thing though. Um, when you jump into the LinkedIn thing or you're reaching out to people, it's almost better to offer them something that is content that's valuable mm-hmm. to them than to offer a sale. So th- then you get into the situation where it all comes back to content. I I get that. And I think you should spend the next year making sure that the next open enrollment, you're ready to pounce on it. But trying to put a content strategy together and have, because it's not even like you're getting all your leads right now. They have to buy before December 15th or else they're not going to buy, Right. I mean, a, a few pe- a few stragglers buy throughout the year if they have qualifying life events. But for the most part, getting a lead that doesn't buy prior to December fifteenth, they're a lead for twenty, you know, November twenty twenty one. So but here's the thing that I come back to, which is where I think this kind of gets up. This is where the rubber sort of this. This is where the friction is for me. I don't want to do. I have a really hard time doing one off things. So if I it, when I build a newsletter, for example, and then I use that to, to reach out to all my mem- my team members or my contacts as a potential idea for the next week or two. I, you know, build something that, you know, is sort of build once um, in terms of getting the newsletter started and mm-hmm. a system for creating it and writing it that starts working on a weekly basis or monthly basis, whatever the frequency is. And, um, you know, I then, you know, have something rolling versus that that's a one-off event. And I struggle between the one-off events and, and doing these rolling things. Should, should a startup to last company, for example, always do rolling events? Um, or should it be, should it, sh- is it okay to say who cares about whether this is a one-off, you know, one-off thing, all that matters right now for the next two weeks is growth. I mean, to, to me, it's definitely that. Um, I, I actually think, so you don't have this problem. You're an experienced entrepreneur and, 
your instincts are good. But I actually think a lot of people who are doing it for the first time, I'm in this mastermind group with some more beginner type entrepreneurs. They would be better off doing more one-time stuff. Like they're too into system building. And it's like several of them have businesses that if they just spent four hours a day doing sales, they'd be profitable in a few months. And instead they're like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever succeed. I can't get any channel to work. And it's like, yeah, just go make your calls. It's working. You just have to keep doing it. So I know you don't have that problem. I'm just saying that for the benefit of a general person. But if I were you, I would just say during how long is open enrollment in total? Six weeks? It go, uh, yeah. So November 1st through December 15th in most states by default. Some states I would expand. say every other day of the year is about systems building. It's about planting seeds. Those six weeks are harvesting. You don't you don't set up anything for the future. You just take, take, take as many customers as you can right now. You you cold call, you cold email, you follow up with your old leads, you do whatever you can, and then you go back to systems system building December 16th. That would be my approach. I, I, think. I think I agree with that for future open enrollments, but given that this is our first, it's a little bit more difficult. There's no opportunity cost here though. Like you're not gonna at worst, you're two or three weeks behind where you would have been on your system building. Which who cares? That's not a big deal. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's uh, yeah. What you're really saying, yeah, that's interesting. It's basically you're you're saying for 45 days you act like you're a desperate sales driven company, um, mm-hmm. but but every other day of the year you're a start to last company. Yeah. Content marketing, what we were talking about earlier, is a perfect example. When you meet someone in March, it's like it's not time for you to buy. It's time for you to get on my newsletter. It's time for you to do this webinar or whatever. And by doing that, you say, "I am going to be back in touch with you in November." This one one thing that's interesting, and I, I think this is probably right, but we we did have a conversation earlier in the year, which this, I think you said something like, "Maybe you should just treat open enrollment this year like any." other week and just kind of glide through. And I kind of have like, I've, I've embraced that. I actually like it mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's avoided just this unhealthy urgency. But what I think you're saying is maybe now's the time for healthy urgency. Yeah. And uh, yeah, not stressing out and burning out and stuff like that. But my impression from what you've said earlier in this year is if you just send emails and reach out to people, it works. You can get some customers. So I'm not saying like desperately do stuff that won't work, stress yourself out over it, set goals you can't attain. I'm just saying like, if you're going to, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, we said, you said you're going to want to do some kind of like outreach or marketing type of thing every week. Just take the next six months of it and put it into this two or three week period because this is the best time for it to work. And then do the long-term stuff some other time. Yeah, so that goes back to like, creating the list of what, what's the short-term stuff, yeah, what's the yeah. long-term stuff. So um, what, what do you see as sort of the short-term stuff? Is it just outreach? I think outreach, um, yeah, I mean, and probably of, of the type of outreach you said, the one that sounded least interesting was like reaching out to your network and letting them know what you're up to. Maybe most of your network is in Utah and wants to buy health insurance, so maybe that could work. But like the more you can focus the outreach on people who are likely to need it, uh, need, need health insurance, the better, I think. That, that, I think that's a good point. That's a, that's a not out of year thing. I can do that. I can do that in the new year. Say happy new year. Here's what I'm up to. Um, 
And mm-hmm. that, that could be useful for a number of different reasons, um, especially as I think about expanding to other states. Okay. So I like, so you're, what you're really saying is outreach, but targeted. Yeah. If, if business in general is anything like less annoying CRM, this is an incredibly slow time of the year anyway for like, if you email someone over Thanksgiving weekend and are like, Hey, what's up? Here's what I'm up to. They're not, I mean, their odds of reading it are a lot lower than if you send it to them January 10th. Um, the only people who are really engaging in commerce right now are people buying Christmas presents and people buying health insurance. That's so funny. <laughs> I think I don't, I'd be interested if anyone knows other, ind- I'm sure there's other industries that really like are on fire at the end of the year, but like selling s- CRM to small businesses, like it's no one's buying turkey, turkey, uh, <laughs> and chicken and ham mm-hmm. sales. I bet mm-hmm. it pretty good. Yes, probably. <laughs> and whatever that green cranberry paste is that people get in a can. The cranberry. Oh, Shelly loves that. Yeah. It's a love or hate thing. I wonder if turkey sales will be like if people are buying smaller turkeys this year because of COVID. Ooh, interesting. There will be weird trends. <laughs> yeah, weird trends. Or- anyway, yeah, I, I. it sounds like you've got a million good ideas. And I guess all I'm saying is some of them work better during open enrollment and some of them it doesn't matter whether it's an open enrollment. So I just do the ones that work better do- during open enrollment now. I think you're right. I would rather work on the systems building. I don't want to let go of this. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the, the only thing that I'm having trouble letting go of is the SEO. So, because if you don't if you don't invest in that, it can kind of just sit there. But two weeks at this point, three yeah, weeks, make a difference. Yeah, the, so, but one factor is like I need to have I need to have Lena be productive mm-hmm. because that's what she wants, not because like I need I need that, but like. Um, that's what a good manager does is make sure that their team members are working on things that are meaningful. Um, it sounds like what I should be now that we're wrapping up this content stuff, maybe we should be pivoting towards, you know, how can we do outreach together? Yeah. But like you said, taking two weeks off SEO is not going to be a big deal. Even if you're going to get back to that, I bet it would be fun for her to, uh, we, we talked about this in a previous episode that you can't always be sprinting, but it can be a really good kind of rewarding team building exercise to say, we're going to sprint for just a little bit. Like the next couple of weeks, we're going to really go for it. I think you're hundred percent right. This is going to be a change cycle for her to go through. Um, because, but, but I think she's going to get through it really, really quick, just like I just did. And it's like, listen, look at, look, look at what we've done. We're, we've, mm-hmm. we've got, we've got all the assets we need to go tell people about like a health now. And I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing that as I jump in on the LinkedIn thread, it's like, I, don't, I can just tell the story now. It's, you know, it, when we when we had our first conversation about Lego Pelt, it was like it's a Slack channel, you know. It's like mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's got my MVP. Now it's at a place where it's like, here's what it is. Do you want it? Yeah, and it's better than anything else that's out. There. I mean, I know you still want it to be ten times better, but it's better than any other option, right? It totally is, and that's why Kiln is willing to send it to their members. It's why when I get on a LinkedIn thread, people are like, "This sounds pretty good." It's why you know the reason I found the LinkedIn thread is because three separate clients mentioned me in the thread and said, you should check out what Rick Lindquist is doing. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, you, you're, you're ready to go market. Yeah. This, I need to market. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is okay. So I think you just, um, I think you just unlocked something for me. This was probably the most value. I think this will in, in reflection of, yeah, at the end of the year will be 
the single most valuable episode for me uh, in terms of focus because I think you created a ton for me. Cool. Well, let's let's wait for the results to come in in the next couple of weeks. But I'm I'm excited to hear that. We have a few more minutes left. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Not really. I, I mean, I've got stuff, but I'd just as soon leave it for a future week. Okay. In that case, can we talk a little bit about like non annoying? I know we've covered this topic before, but now that we're really specific, it's open enrollment time. People are thinking mm-hmm. about health insurance. If you were going to get an email or a reach out and you could just workshop the message to me with me right now, what would you want that message to be around? Let's say you got someone, Lena reached out to you uh, and mm-hmm. they, she said, hi, I'm Lena. What, what needs to be in that email for you to go? Yes, no. And that wasn't annoying. Okay, so this is a cold one-on-one email. Does she get to do research beforehand, or is this like the same script going to go out to everyone, you think? Uh, I don't think I will allow one-off. For cold emails, it has to be custom. There will be some some customization. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, I'm kind of thinking... I'm I'm bad at this, but we're workshopping, right? So I, I would get do the subject last and say what I want to read is like, Hi, Tyler. Uh... Getting health insurance can be tough if you don't get it through your employer and I see you're a startup founder. If y'all don't offer health insurance, that's what we take care of or something like that. Um, and then more information probably. But like, I think the, pro- the problem is so visceral for people. Like you immediately know, is this me or not? Like, do I, do I need individual health insurance? Yes or no? I feel like if that's in the first sentence, it's going to do better than an average cold email, I would think. What is the secret sauce? So let's say we follow that Exactly. What's the secret sauce in that email at the end that says, I'm not like you can converse with me and you're not going to get sold. Like, Mm. you know how you get these outreach emails and you have this feeling it's like, yeah, like I actually like what you're doing, but I'm not going to reply because you're going to annoy the hell out of me. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How do you make it so that it's like not that visceral reaction of, okay, yeah, you, you are good, but the way you approach this was, is like a, is a deterrent and I will not answer you. You could just say it. So is the call, the call to the action from an email can be like almost every sales email you and I get is hop on a call with me. You no, know? gosh, no. It's not that obviously, but one way to make it like you're not going to be sold is don't even ask them. Just be like, here's the deal. Most people hate talking to people. If you want to, I'm here. But like, check out this link to this health health insurance guide that we have. You don't have to talk to anybody and you can get it. Fi- and actually, another thing I'd add to what I said earlier, put the date on it. Be like, you have to get your health insurance by this date. We'll, we'll get it taken care of in 30 minutes for you, and you don't even have to talk to anyone. Interesting. What if I? What if it was even more aggressive than that, and it said, listen, um, and we didn't even go to the content. We just said, hey, Tyler, uh, it's that time of year again. I noticed this and this and this, custom email. Um, we built, we built a, a new solution to solve this exact problem. Here are some, you know, here are some... Create a free account to check it out. Here are some serv- here are some benefits for you for doing so. Um, you know, two minutes online. Keep your existing coverage. We'll help you pick. You know, save time and money with your choice this year. Um, and please, I will. I, I promise, I will not. And uh, this this is purely an awareness issue. I promise, I won't. This is not spam, and I am not trying to sell you anything. Best Rick. I got to be honest, I think you should be trying to sell them something. Okay. But I, do you, I don't think that, like, you're trying to sell your software. Like, you have insurance. Come yes. add your insurance card to my software. 
I don't think the last two weeks of open enrollment is like the reason you're doing it right now is to find the people who want you to help them buy insurance, I think. How do you, so I guess my real question is how do I do that in a way? How can I acknowledge, do it in a way that the, the, the person reading it, whether they are fit or not, don't have a negative brand association with like a belt. That's what I'm trying to avoid. I think just be, thoughtful. I love that you're thinking this way because like not enough people do and all that. I think you're making the same mistake I've made a million times, which is you're overthinking it. Just be and thoughtful. What I mean, but be thoughtful and be authentic, right? Like just speak from your own voice. I don't think you have to apologize for what you're doing. Like, yeah, you're running a business and you're emailing them because you want them to be your customer. You don't have to hide from that. Just don't be annoying. Don't spam them. Offer value. I think, I think that's all it takes. I think you're absolutely right. Just be a thoughtful person. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people will read it and they'll be like, nope, archive, whatever. And the, and don't like span, don't follow up with them. Just let them, let it be. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of sales people in our world, you know, they have that, uh, you know, don't stop until they buy or die. Um, I hate that. A lot of people say it works. You know, everyone can decide for themselves whether they like it. <laughs> I, I think any follow-up has is a step in the negative brand association for some subset of the people. And you can't, like, I, can't, I cannot afford that with my business. Yeah, there's probably a middle ground, which if you were, I think with where you are, I wouldn't bother setting anything this robust up. But you can send an email out with a couple links in it and say, did they click on the link? That's a sign that they're at least somewhat interested in this. People do legitimately, they get busy, they forget about it. So I think a lot of people like the follow-up and they're like, thank you, I was going to do this, but I forgot. A lot of people hate it. You could use some kind of signal like that to decide whether or not you think they want the follow-up. That's fair. So only follow up the people who do something to opt into it, even if they don't know about it, uh, but they, they take some sort of action that qualifies them for a follow-up. Yeah. That's smart. That's a, an option. I've never done that, but I've heard people who do that. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Um, this is going to create focus. Uh, I need to wrap up all the current in-progress projects up before Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving is... My planning now is around how do I t- how do I hit as many possible Utahns that are on my ideal customer list as possible between now and December 15th? Yeah. Yeah. Thoughtfully. And worst case scenario, the whole thing's a waste and you just get back to your normal plan in a few weeks. Yep. Man, I wish, wish we had this conversation uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah. Well, didn't you say no one actually buys until the end of open enrollment anyway? Yeah, it's a huge like 80-20 rule. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would say that um, I think that part of the reason I'm able to quickly make the decision to go do this right now is that I have tried a bunch of different things without really realizing it. And it's like, yeah, we've got these things in progress. We just need to cut it and go. Yep. Um, cool. All right. Well, anything else? No, I'm looking forward to hearing the results. You want to sign us off? Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, everyone yeah. listening. You too. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See you.